This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. This is a scriptease episode where we talk through some of the world's greatest plays, jump through the major plot points, give some background, and of course, spoil the endings all in less than five minutes. We do the hard work so you can do the easy listening. Today we do a piece of Indigenous theatre called The No Sugar by Jack Davis, 1985. Why is it called that? The play is called No Sugar for so many reasons. It echoes a few different moments from the play. The fact that rations have been cut on two occasions, no meat and no soap, both being said in the play. No Soap is also a lyric in a parody song the family sings towards the end of the play to mock the superintendent and his hypocrisy in a public display of defiance. It also reflects words spoken to one of the male leads of Jimmy. He is told that you catch more flies with sugar, implying as an antagonist of the powerful, he is not sugar. Sugar is also stereotypically white, and the play centres on an Aboriginal family, and being not white, even half-caste in this play, is seen as a negative, so no sugar may also allude to that idea as well. The play opens in the morning of 1929. We meet the members of the Monday Milmurra family. Jimmy is Grand Monday's son. Millie Milmurra is Jimmy's sister. She is married to Sam, and they have three kids, Joe, Sissy and David. The family goes about their day on the reserve. Joe reads the paper aloud to all as it describes a group of Aboriginals performing a traditional dance accompanied by a brass band. This image causes some laughter. Next we meet some of the townspeople in power. Firstly, Sergeant Carroll accosting Frank Brown, an unemployed man camping out of town. We discover Carroll's disdain for Jimmy Monday and all Aboriginals. He tells Frank it's illegal to give Aboriginals alcohol and tells him not to mix with them. Next, we meet Neville, the chief protector of the Aboriginals, who discusses the depression and the dire economic position the country and the department is in. Gran enters with Millie and asks for her rations, but soap has been cut from the ration list. Sergeants warns them not to make trouble about this. There is also a phone call that highlights the disparity between what the families need and what is being supplied to the settlements. They suggest supplying handkerchiefs to wipe the children's noses. In the next scene, the family is preparing dinner, waiting for Gran and Millie. Jimmy comes in drunk with Frank. The lack of soap is lamented. A fight is had and Gran sorts them out, and Millie pours out Jimmy's booze. Time jumps. Sam and Jimmy have been arrested because Frank gave them alcohol. Jimmy is his usual antagonistic self, and Sam tries to calm him down. A disinterested judge sentences Frank to six weeks hard labour. Jimmy gets three months hard labour due to prize and his attitude, and Sam gets a 27 shilling fine. It is revealed that Sissy is very sick, and we find out later it's pneumonia. Months later, Jimmy has been released and is trying to get a train fare home from Neville for a service that leaves at 11, but they won't give it to him until 2pm. Gran asks Sergeant for more blankets for Sissy. They don't get them, and Sergeant says there's no meat this week either. Chief Protector Neville, Mrs Dunn, the Secretary, and Sergeant Carroll discuss the terrible state of health of the people in the Government Well Reserve. They're moving their population to more river reserve. They must leave any livestock carts or large items behind. Sergeant Carroll doesn't think it will go down well and accuses Neville of moving them off to win the election. When telling the families to go, Sergeant lets them keep their dogs out of frustration. Act 2 finds the family arriving at Moore River. They meet the first black police officer, a tracker named Billy, and the family settles in and hears about the poor food in the new camp. Joe meets Mary, who lives at the workhouse, with Matron and the superintendent, Neil, who we hear is a nasty man who watches the young girls and carries a cat of nine tails. She retells the story of abuse at the hands of the boss's sons at one of the farms. 
Matron tells the Superintendent Neil that only four of the arrivals have scabies. They can't believe it. It seems like a big waste of time bringing them here if they were healthy. Jimmy, Sam, Billy and another tracker sing songs and exchange dances explaining their history and traditions. Billy tells a brutal story of a white stockman who was killed while trying to beat an Aboriginal man to death. Some policemen come to revenge the stockman and find some other Aboriginal men and kill them and burn the bodies. Mary reveals that she has been asked by Neil to work in the hospital, which means he wants to have her for himself. Joe says he'll marry her and take her home to Northam. Joe tells his family the story and they help get them out. We find out the election was lost and the Premier is out, and Neil discovers that Mary has run away with Joe. Matron implies she knows about Neil's and his tendency. Billy is instructed to take his whip and track the pair down. Billy finds Joe and Mary. Billy and Joe fight. Joe gets the upper hand, and instead of killing Billy, he handcuffs him. Billy lies to Neil and says that they threw rocks at him and he fell off his horse. Neil leaves Billy in handcuffs and calls him a savage. Joe and Mary arrive at the Government Wellness Aboriginal Reserve, but it's been burnt down. Sergeant Carroll tells Joe and Mary they shot the horses and destroyed the reserve on orders. Months later, Neville calls Sergeant and tells him to put Joe in jail and send Mary back on the train. Sergeant talks about a group of women appealing the mistreatment of Aborigines from the Government Well Reserve. In its own scene, in a long speech, Neville, the protector of Aborigines, presents to the Western Australian Historical Society about the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Welfare. He speaks about the strong relationships between early white settlers and the Aboriginal population working together. Then an Aboriginal was shot for stealing flour and everything changed. He speaks of the Tasmanian Indigenous population and the attempt to eradicate them. And then he speaks how, in Western Australia, they have managed to do almost the same, taking a population of 13,000 to just 1,000. Mary arrives at Neil's, and she's very pregnant, and Neil attempts to force her to work in a hospital away from Joe and her family. She refuses, and Neil hits her with his cat of nine tails while Billy holds her down. Superintendent Neils asks Sister to arrange a song to be sung on Australia Day celebrations, and to stop giving books to the Aborigines, saying a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Sister asks if the policeman can stop using violence to get Aborigines to go to Sunday school, and he threatens to have her sent to the desert if she doesn't like it here. Sister and Neville address the Moore River settlement on Australia Day 1934. He reminds all people present that the country is in a depression and how lucky they are all to be provided with food and shelter, and reminds them all that they are here to become productive members of society. They all sing the song properly first, and then change the words and sing loudly about their mistreatment. Neville yells at them for ruining the event and tries to cancel Christmas. Jimmy talks back and accuses Neville to his face for driving them here so he could have an all-white town. During the altercation, Jimmy has a heart attack. It is revealed Jimmy has died, and Joe won't be told or released from prison for the funeral as is standard. Mary has contractions, she has the baby in the reserve. Gran delivers the child, and Matron comes to help, but she's not trusted. Joe returns early and names the boy Jimmy. Neil allows Joe and Mary to leave as long as they don't go back to Northam. It is clear he just wants Joe gone so he doesn't commit an act of revenge against him for his mistreatment of Mary. The family then sing goodbye to Mary and Joe and give them rations and a knife for their journey. Joe tells Mary they're headed for Northam. If you didn't know the play before, you do now. A bit. If you like the sound of it, have a read. That was Scriptease. Remember, this was just our version of the play's story, highlighting the bits we think are important. You may also have your favourite bits and moments you want to mention. If you do, please leave a comment on SoundCloud or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. That is all from us at The Aside and this episode of Scriptees. There are a load of episodes in the bank, including more Scriptees and over 200 episodes of The Aside. If you would like to ask us a question, do not hesitate to do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com. 
Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.